The following is a message by Dr. R. Scott Clark of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, please visit us online at www.wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. That's online at www.wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. Let's look this morning at Exodus chapter 12 as we continue our faculty series through the book of Exodus. And I'd like to read the first 32 verses. Well, I I suppose this morning for the sake of time, we'll just read verses 1 through 13 and then 29 through 32. God's word from Exodus 12 1 through 13, and then 29 through 32 from the English Standard Version. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household, And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall uh, make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall... uh, take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night roasted uh, on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roast it, its head uh, with its legs and inner parts, and you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you, on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. In verse 29, at midnight the Lord struck down the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel. Go, serve the Lord, as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. Thus far, the reading of God's word, may he write it on our hearts and give us true understanding. In, uh, on October 1st, 19, 
32, 80 years ago, just a couple of days ago, three days ago or so. Legend has it that during the third game of the World Series between the New York Yankees and the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field, Babe Ruth came to bat against uh, Charlie Root. He took the first pitch, it was called strike, and the bench, according to the reports, the, uh, the Cubs, uh, probably knowing in their hearts what would happen, uh, were, were saying nasty things to Il Bambino and mocking him, and he held up one finger to say, it's just one strike. And then the count came, uh, I think, to two and one, or one, uh, eventually to two and two, and again, he held up two fingers as they were mocking him. And, uh, and here's where the story gets complicated. The video, there is actually uh, 16 millimeter footage that's quite grainy. And uh, the legend is, what the history is is not entirely clear, but the legend is that he pointed to the outfield. And the story is that the babe, Babe Ruth, called his shot and hit a, a home run. And there's no doubt about the fact that he hit a home run. It, it went a minimum of 440 feet, probably 490 feet. And, the, and the, of course, you know the outcome of the series and the and the history, the babe called his shot, and that's the legend. Of course, if you ask the historians, it's unclear. The footage is grainy. The initial reports were that, well, he pointed, but it wasn't clear exactly where he was pointing and, and what he meant. But the story is that, that he called his shot, and that's the drama. And he hit a 440-foot home run off Charlie Root and silenced his critics. Well, the Lord also called his shot in the Exodus. And he called his shot in the, in the first part of the passage. Scholars are puzzled by the arrangement in some respects. Some scholars, not all, are puzzled by the arrangement of this material in the Exodus. And of course, this chapter is one of the more troubling chapters in all of God's word, and particularly in the modern period, it's troubling. Who wants to worship a God who is charged with doing these kinds of things? After all, this is the tenth of ten plagues that God had, with which God had afflicted the Egyptians. And the God of the modern age is a God of the universal fatherhood of God. Everyone is God's child. I just heard it on television last night. We're all God's children in precisely the same way, that's the modern creed, that's the American creed, that's the religion with which I was raised. We're all God's children in precisely the same way, and, and anyone who denies this orthodoxy is subject to serious repercussions, social repercussions. We're all brothers and sisters in precisely the same way, universal fatherhood of God, universal brotherhood of man, and we're all getting better every way and every day, those are the three points of the modern creed. And yet here we are in Exodus 12. It's a very different world, isn't it? It's the 10th of 10 plagues. All the Israelites had asked was for religious freedom in modern terms. And what had Pharaoh said? Well, yeah, you can go. No, you can't go. And what does scripture say? God hardened Pharaoh's heart and then reciprocally Pharaoh hardened his own heart. And so now the Lord comes 
Yahweh comes in chapter 12 and calls, as it were, his shot. They, and the scholars are puzzled why, why this introduction of this, of this section here, and then it picks up again, as you saw in verse 29. Well, it's all very intentional. The Lord has here a plan, a plague, and a Passover. And he tells us the plan here in the first part of the chapter. This is what's going to happen. This is what I'm going to do. This is how things are going to go. And you know that this is the way things are going to go because he announces who he is repeatedly in this section. I am Yahweh. This is the God who said, I am that I am. He's not like the gods of the Egyptians. Gods that are not gods. Gods that are at best contingent on us. This God, Yahweh, is not contingent on anyone. He is the God who simply is. This, this is a way of thinking about gods that was very difficult in the ancient world and it's even more difficult now. We live in a world now where we are at the center of the universe more than ever before. Prior to the modern period, whenever you want to start the modern period, I like to think about the middle of the 17th century, but wherever you want to start the modern period, the predominant question that we were asking was, particularly in the West, but even in the, in, in the pre-Christian world, there was a considerable amount of interest in the question, what has God said or what have the gods said? But in the modern world, the, the great question became, has God said? And, and, and in our time, the great question is, who? Who's asking? What do you want? What are you trying to do to me? Clearly, that's a political question, and you're trying to oppress me with your point of view. I'm entitled to think anything I want, because after all, we all know that I am at the center of the universe. That's the position of late modern man. But God says in Exodus 12, no, Yahweh is at the center of the universe. He just simply says, I am Yahweh. Deal with it. This whole chapter, this whole section, is intended to be provocative and offensive. This narrative, if this narrative offends modern people, it's meant to. It was meant to offend ancient people. This series of plagues was meant to shock the ancient world, we talk about shock and awe. These plagues were intended to produce shock and awe and fear of Yahweh. Abject fear of an almighty sovereign God who isn't contingent on anything or anyone who does what he will, when he will, the way he will. And your only recourse is to believe, well, fear, believe, and submit and that's the point of the plan here. This is what I'm going to do before he's ever uh, begun to save them in this final uh, act of punishment against Egypt. He tells them, look, he tells the, the Israelites, this is how I want you to conduct things. This is, uh, this is what's going to happen. This is how I want you to respond. This is how I want you to behave. And it's going to be such a signal act, such an important act, it's going to be the beginning of your calendar. It's so significant, I'm going to reorient your entire schedule, as it were, around this act. This is now the beginning of your year. Which is very interesting. I want you to think about that for a moment, that creation is a pattern for time in which we all live. 
Redemption is a pattern for time in which the redeemed live. There's a creational pattern that's fixed from which none of us can escape. There is a redemptive pattern of time into which we have been included and into which the Israelites were included. That was part of God's plan and he establishes, as Dr. Ball likes to say, uh, an evening barbecue, a communion, a family communion or neighborhood communion, uh, which we might call a kind of fast food that's carefully prepared. This food is to be cooked all the way through and anything that's left over is to be burned, to, uh, burned uh, consumed in the fire. It belongs to the Lord. This is not anything that we establish. This is something that belongs to Yahweh. I am the Lord, he says. This is my Passover. And they don't, surely they don't understand yet what this entails. But I want you to understand that the Lord had a plan. And not only did the Lord have a plan, the Lord executed a plan. And you see that in verses 29 through 32. And one of the most interesting things in all of Exodus is the, is as a Professor Telfer said to me the other night, the, the, uh, the function of an omniscient narrator here in verses 29 and, and following. How does Moses know this? God the Holy Spirit inspired Moses to write this down, but how does Moses know this? It's very interesting. But we know it because God the Holy Spirit included it in the, in the Holy Scriptures. At midnight or in the middle of the night, perhaps, Yahweh struck down the firstborn in the land of Egypt, which is exactly what he said he would do. Let my, let my son Israel go. If you don't let my son go, you will regret it. I am Yahweh. Don't mess with me, is what he says. The God of the Bible is a very serious God. He's a God to be feared. He's not a God with whom we should trifle. He's a holy God. He's a just God. He's a righteous God. He's a consuming fire, and he does what he says. He keeps his promises in judgment and in salvation. And here you see it. Part of what Moses wants us to do here is to find ourselves in the palace. Pharaoh gets up in the middle of the night because something is wrong. And something is grievously wrong. His successor is dead. And not only that, all the firstborn males, or all the firstborn in Egypt are dead. Yahweh has struck. And not only that, the firstborn of all the livestock are dead. And there's a great wailing in Egypt. There is a cost to sin. There is a price to be paid. And sometimes it is paid in this life. Not always. The wicked do prosper sometimes. But Pharaoh paid that cost in this life. And now he knew. I'd survived the others, but I didn't survive this one. This is a blow from which there is no recovery. Yahweh has struck him down. I am Yahweh. There is a pass uh, a plague, or we could call it a pass-through. You don't want to be there when Yahweh passes through because in his wake, he brings holy destruction. People say, oh, if I, only, if I could only get close to God. Well, F Pharaoh got close to God. Pharaoh had the encounter with God that so many of us say that we want, and it didn't go well. It was an ugly, deadly, bloody, grievous, sorrowing encounter with a living, holy, righteous, consuming God. Let my son Israel go. Well, now you can go. Get out! But it's too late. 
when you hear the word of God, when God's representative comes and says, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand, the righteousness of God is manifest in the world, salvation is at hand, that's the time. Not after nine plagues. After nine plagues, it's too long. The time to fall to your face and on your knees is when God comes in foolishness and in, and in improbability. And that gets us quickly to the last point, the Passover. We've seen the pass through, but there's also a Passover. And it's interesting here, uh, you, you, you know, the, the Israelites must have thought, this is an odd plan. Okay, we get the killing of the lambs, we get the, 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 the consuming of the whole thing and the burning up of what's left over if there is anything left over. But what's with the blood on the, on the doorposts? That's an odd thing. That doesn't make sense. What power is there? In, in, think about this from the point of view of the ancient world and all of the bloodshedding that went on and all of the, 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 you know, the association of life and blood. What, you know, the, the people in the ancient world understood this, but what is the business of painting you know, the vertical post and then the horizontal post with blood? What was the point? The point is that there's safety under, within, behind the blood of an innocent lamb. There's safety behind, underneath the covering of the blood of a perfect, spotless, innocent lamb. And every year you remember that you need to be protected from the wrath of God which destroyed Egypt by the blood of an innocent, righteous, perfect, spotless lamb. However improbable it may seem to you, that's my plan. That's what I want you to do. That's what I want you to remember. That's what I want you to think about. And then finally, very improbably, John the Baptist said one day, after 1,500 years, behold, behold, Idith, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And where is the lintel? Where are the doorposts? Outside the city with criminals and the dirty and the disreputable and the incredible. Salvation by blood on wood outside the city. The three pieces of the door are now two pieces. It's a doorpost, it's a tree, it's a cross. It's a righteous lamb whose blood was shed and Yahweh says, I am the Lord. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. I have sent the Lamb of God to lay down his life. Can you hear the thunder that's coming? 
the 11th plague, the flood, the wailing that will be when it's too late, the trumpet. Today is the day of salvation. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are grateful for the the lintels, the lintel, the doorpost, the blood, and the lamb. We are grateful for the cross, however improbable it may seem. We are grateful for the stumbling block and the rock of offense. We're grateful for your grace, for including us in the exodus by your powerful Holy Spirit who raised us from the dead and gave us eyes to see and hearts to believe and wills to choose. We do pray for all those who are hearing the message and who will, that they may turn, even as you gave us grace to turn and embrace the Lamb of God before the 11th plague, before the trumpet, and before the wailing. Hear our prayer, Lord. Be gracious and glorify him who came and who bore the wrath, Yahweh himself. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Copyright 2012, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.